The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. This is the day the Lord has made, and we are rejoicing and glad in it. It's Pentecost Sunday, and the color is red. Welcome one another, would you please? And shake hands, say good morning. Would invite you to share your names with us and one another on the friendship pad as it passes your way. We're joining with Christians around the world this day to observe what some have called the birthday of the church, the pouring out of the Spirit in fulfillment of the promises of God to empower the church for its mission in the world. And so we rejoice in that. We have a big day uh, for you, and uh, I want to just call your attention to some of the announcements. This afternoon at 5 o'clock, our special spring concert presented by choir and bells and they're going to be witnessing and singing some of the great uh, stories and music that come to us out of the old testament the word of god and uh, we're looking forward to being here this afternoon at 5 p.m you may follow along in the other announcements of the week you can tell that there's a lot of activities going on. You can still buy your T-shirts and baseball caps that remind you that we're in the middle of celebrating the 100th anniversary of our church. June the 11th, our gals group are, are meeting at the Emerald Bay Beach for a luau, and I think that'll be a great time. And then on June 16, our third Friday group will be having a, a, its own party at the Three Arch Bay Clubhouse Lawn, and uh, we'd appreciate it if you'd sign up out in the patio this morning. <clears throat> I did not put my picture in the bulletin this morning. <laughs> but thanks be to God <laughs> for all of God's blessings. <laughs> Let's center ourselves now in the worship of the Lord. Lord, um, we lift our hearts up to you. We know that those first disciples sang your praises in tongues, inspired by your Spirit. We thank you that from Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, the joyful sound sounded forth of the good news of God's love revealed in Jesus Christ and of God's love poured into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning we ask that you will pour your love into our hearts as we rejoice together. We pray in your name. Amen. Please join me for our call to worship. We stand before the Lord this day, the Lord of the burning bush and the cloud upon the mountain. To God be praise and glory. This is the Lord of our lives. We acknowledge the risen Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, the Master recognized in the breaking of the bread and amid the dust of the Emmaus Road. To Christ be praise and glory. This is the Savior who makes all things new. We acknowledge the Holy Spirit who enables us, seen in the descending dove, heard in the rushing wind, and tongues of fire. To the Holy Spirit, all praise and glory. This is the one who empowers our witness, even now in our time and in this place, we have seen signs of God's greatness. 
Let us stand as we continue to worship the living Lord. Call for a thousand tongues to sing his praise, church. Yeah. 
be lights in the darkness, church. Holy Spirit, come. Let your wind blow. Let your wind blow. Let your wind blow. Let your wind blow. Revive us again, Lord. Let your wind blow. Let your wind blow. Let your wind blow. Revive us again, Lord. Let your wind blow. Let your wind blow. Let your wind blow.
hear our call to confession. The Spirit of the Lord fills the world and knows our every word and deed. Let us then open ourselves to the Lord and confess our sin and need for God's mercy. Let us pray. Merciful God, the gift of Jesus' life in us is visible in the way we witness to the fruitfulness of that gift. We know that the fruit of the Spirit consists of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yet so often we put conditions on our love and joy and peace are difficult to discern when our words and actions deny their presence. So we sing together, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, that I By desiring instant results to most things these days, we confess that we forget what it's like to be patient. We find ourselves neglecting the needs of others because we run out of time to be kind to anyone other than ourselves. And so we sing, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O persistently make self-centered decisions rather than Christ-centered ones. Our understanding of your goodness and faithfulness is weakened and our discipleship lacks credibility. And so we sing, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, that I might In this aggressive world, it's easy to believe one can't get anywhere by exercising a spirit of gentleness, humility, or even self-control. Gracious and merciful God, grant us your forgiveness and your love so that we may truly care for one another. Let us now lift up our silent personal confessions. Amen. Hear the good news. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God with whom we have been reconciled through Christ. Thanks be to God.
Amen. I'd like to invite up Gus Altazara, who will be sharing with us a moment for stewardship. Gus. Well, good morning. Um, I am so excited to be standing here today talking about our finances. Uh, all I can say is I'm full of joy and gratitude. Gratitude to God and to you, the congregation of this church. God is so good. He really is. It's, it's amazing. As you know, about seven years ago, we borrowed $7 million to help, you know, fix this place and turn it into the beautiful sanctuary that we have. And really, at times, I know some of you, and including me in some of the session, we wondered, you know, how are we going to ever pay this thing off? Our payments initially were about $73,000 a month, and... Um, after some renegotiation and extending the term, the payments were dropped to about $42,000 a month, which is still a big nut. And, you know, the repayment of this loan is all based on faith, you know, the faithful giving that we've all done. And so I'm sure you've received Jerry's letter where he speaks about John 21 and the, the fishermen throwing their nets over the boat and uh, catching 153 large fish. Well, our balance today is $153,000, okay? We, we, started, we started the year with a balance of approximately a million four. And with the celebration of our 100th anniversary, our goal was to burn the mortgage. You've heard Jerry say that numerous times. And so that has been our goal. And we've prayed about it. We've met uh, with the stewardship elders as well as other members of the session. And we came up with a plan. And again, God is so good. We uh, went to the presbytery. We wanted them to help us eliminate the mortgage. We thought it was good for them to stand by us in our 100th anniversary, and they did. They gave us a very nice grant. Also, the Laguna Presbyterian Foundation, um, who had a fair amount of money, decided to help us. And they gave us essentially all of their money to eliminate the mortgage. Now, Jerry has met with uh, some of you, probably all of you. I know he met with me. I don't know why, but, <laughs> you know, there has been additional donations by some of you. And... Uh, in the end, it puts us where we are today at 153,000. Now that, to me, is such a tangible number, considering the number of people that we have in our congregation, that I know that as I cast the net out again today, we need $153,000 or fish before September. So. Thank you very much. Thank you for your faithfulness. And again, thanks be to God.
Listen for the word of God. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
You were slain, and with your blood, you purchased the saints for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Amazed and astonished, they ask, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and, Gla and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. How can they call on one they have not believed in? How can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The, the word, word of the Lord. Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Pentecost, the birthday of the church, 50 days after the celebration of Passover in which Israel remembered the mighty act of God in the Exodus, delivering them out of slavery and leading them to the promised land. And after settled, the farmers planting their seeds, 50 days after Passover, the farmers brought the first fruits of their crops. In thanksgiving to God for God's mighty blessings upon them, the Spirit is the source of all life and, and grows every dimension of fruit upon the earth. The disciples gathered in Jerusalem on that 50th day after Passover had heard the promise of the Lord Jesus that the day would come when God would pour out His Holy Spirit upon His people They did not know how the Spirit would come. But suddenly, in a violent roar of the wind, 
the sound of the Spirit coming upon them was heard throughout Jerusalem. The temple was shaken. The city was awakened. Everyone gathered, and there they found a hundred-plus people filled with the Spirit, speaking ecstatically, caught up in the mystery and the wonder of that event, that God was on the move in their presence. And they did not know what all of this meant. If you've ever heard the roar of a Texas tornado, you know what I'm talking about. A number of years ago, my mother was at the very center of Lubbock, Texas, when a tornado came through, leaving an eight-mile swath of destruction. She was just a few blocks away, thank God. She went into hiding, and she said, it sounded like the roar of a train coming through town. Indeed, it captured everyone's attention. The tallest building in town was hit. Oftentimes, I've thought of Pentecost as, as like one of those experiences when a B-52 was taking off over El Toro, flying about 2,500 feet above my house at the top of the world. I was so thankful the roof was not removed from the house. Everything was shaken. And so it was at Pentecost. There were all kinds of people gathered in Jerusalem for the celebration. You heard the names. People from all parts of the world, devout people, come to Jerusalem to worship and they heard this mighty roar, and they saw these people singing and witnessing and dancing even at the center of Jerusalem. And, and they asked, what does this mean? What does this mean? Some have said it was reversal of the story in Genesis 11 of the confusion of the languages at the Tower of Babel where early humans decided to build a tower up to heaven to assert their pride and pursuit of power. And God, seeing what was going on, confused their languages so they could not communicate. And, and the people were scattered and fragmented to all nations. And they lived in anxiety and fear, and they built walls, and paranoia seized their souls and limited their potential. And so we read the rest of the biblical story of the consequences of that confusion and the great need for humanity to be reconciled to God and to one another. So I'd like to suggest three things about Pentecost that are real to me today. And that is the Pentecostal spirit that fell upon the people on that day was really a movement of reconciliation. 
of communication, of dialogue, of making it possible through faith, through hope, through love, for people to listen to one another and to speak to one another in such a way that they could understand one another and be shaped and formed once again in the image of God. And you know and I know this morning, this Pentecost Sunday, this remains one of the great needs of both church and culture of the nations. Indeed, we have continued to build our walls of hostility, separating Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, male and female, rich and poor. We live in a fragmented world. And oftentimes, we express it in the life of the church. And so the church needs a new Pentecost this morning. It needs once again to feel the power of the Spirit of God blowing in our midst, empowering us to understand one another and to speak to one another and to proclaim the mighty acts of God that on the cross, in the death of the Son of God, God reconciled us to Himself and broke down dividing walls of hostility and through the power of the Holy Spirit began to build a new humanity and calling the church to live within the reality of that and to witness to that, that we're a different kind of community, that we live in the new age of the Holy Spirit and that the church is a light in the world by virtue of its light and its power and its reconciling love. Problems of humanity are still with us I knew before we went to the Holy Land that there was a group of pastors who would be visiting at the same time. And indeed, we ran into them in Galilee up at the Mount of Beatitudes. And a couple of my friends in that group came out and hugged me and uh, we greeted one another. We thought, what an amazing thing in the midst of all these pilgrims in the Holy Land that we would see each other. And jokingly, I said to them, we can constitute a new General Assembly right here. And then I began to hear the groans amongst some of our friends. No, anything but the General Assembly. We saw them again in Jerusalem. We had walked through the old city from one end to the other, climbing up and down the stairs. It was hot, and from the upper room to the western wall of the temple to the teaching steps where Jesus taught leading up into the temple and they came out and we hugged again and my, my friend, my Chinese pastor friend from Florida came out and insisted on having a picture taken with me and then he posted it on Facebook. I was amazed that it stirred up all kinds of responses. One fellow pastor said, I don't know, Jerry. But one of my friends who attends his church when he's in California knows him and 
He just wrote an article on prayer for our prayer magazine that will be published in the fall. And I thought, that's true. And Bill, my, my pastor friend, said, yeah, it's a small world. And Jerry's a good man. I felt so grateful for that because I think maybe some of his group were suspicious of me. <laughs> Walls, mistrust, broken relationships, anxieties and fears about one another has a way of capturing the life of the church even, even as in families. Later, at lunch, we went into this beautiful restaurant, and as we f were searching for tables, there was an Indian group of Christians who were just leaving, and we took over their tables and began to go through the buffet line. And everything seemed fine. didn't seem to be too appetizing, the food. But then our guide came in, this Jewish, wonderful woman, who began to confront the manager of the place saying, this food's not adequate for these American Christians who are such supporters of the state of Israel. And so he made the manager change all the food for us. It wasn't that the food was all that bad just that these poor little Indian Christian pilgrims were not as privileged as we. Some of us had gone into the bar to get a cold beer after a long, hot walk that morning. Paid for it. She got the manager in there and said, you return the money for those beers. It was spiritually embarrassing. <laughs> I love the beer. <laughs> it hit the spot. But it reminded me of the divisions between economic classes and cultures and languages. Christians oftentimes, we, we wear different clothes, we speak in different languages. We eat different foods. We don't know one another. And somehow we need the wind of a new Pentecost to blow through us to find a way of sitting at the same table. This became one of the major issues in the early church. Whether or not we could share a congregational meal or not without being separated and eating at different tables. Pentecost opened the door for the possibility of healing the Tower of Babel division. And then whenever the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, it reaches deep into the interior of our lives. And begins to probe so that dimensions of ourselves begin to bubble up to the surface. And 
suddenly we begin to realize that there's a process of self-discovery going on and of coming to know ourselves in addition to coming to know God in Jesus Christ. And it's a powerful experience. Sometimes it's like looking into the mirror and we see dimensions of ourselves that we thought were no longer there or we wish were not there. We realize that God's at work in our own soul. You ever had that experience? This past week, I think every night, I've had these awful nightmares. And they've been stress-related and anxiety-related and fear-related. Things bubbling up in me, seeing in my dreams below my house on top of the world, developers coming in and building a multitude of houses and ruining my view. One night it was seeing a valley of dead bodies waiting to be buried by aliens. <laughs> Please, dear God, make my dreams go away. One night it was having my mother's coffin, trying to find a place for burial with her trying to get out of the box. <laughs> Last night it was a dog that we had years ago that had run away in a massive flood and was finally found him and brought him home. What's all that about? You ever had bad dreams? Some of you might suggest, Jerry, it's just that you turned 80 this past week. <laughs> These are anxieties related to your own mortality. One of you wrote me a, a birthday card that said, welcome to the 80s. <laughs> Seemed a bit ominous. One of you called me who had been at my 40th birthday party. And on that occasion, she said, you remember, Jerry, I gave you a bowl of 40 scoops of ice cream. And I enjoyed every one of them. <laughs> but he said, I don't have a bowl large enough for 80. <laughs> Rub it in. Did a memorial service on Friday of a dear lady one year older than me. Read Psalm 90. Spoke about if we live to be 70 or 80, if we're strong, life is basically a continuing torment and trouble filled with all kinds of problems. So Lord, teach us how to number our days that we can apply our hearts to wisdom. What does it mean to look at life from your perspective, from your age, from this day, with the issues of your life?
What bad spirits do you need driven from your life? I want to tell you that I believe when Jesus Christ's spirit comes within us, he begins to drive those spirits, those anxieties and fears out of us so that we can rest secure and live our lives productively and creatively. He begins to pour his love so powerfully into our hearts that everything is broken and fragmented and unhealed, begins to be healed and driven from our lives. It's never perfect. But we bear witness to Pentecost, and we know we need still the wind of a new Pentecost to blow through our lives. And we begin to see all kinds of signs and wonders. It's, that's what Gus was speaking about this morning. Last 12 years, could we have any of us dreamed that it would cost us $14 million to rebuild this facility? 700-member congregation? Through one of the worst economic recessions in the history of the country? How would that be possible? But as those who trust and believe and who follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit in mission, who believe that God placed us on this corner a hundred years ago so that we will be here a hundred years from now, we believe that God might do a work that would amaze us all. And so here we are, three years early from the due, sooner than the, than the due date of that $7 million loan, $153,000. Is that a work of the Spirit or not? The wind of Pentecost is blowing through this congregation. And God has a plan and a purpose. When I came here in my first year, I said it sometimes even publicly, it embarrasses me now. I didn't know if I'd come to build a church or to bury one. That was my fear speaking. I was called here so that God in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, could build a church for the glory of God through all of us. So these are some thoughts for this Pentecost Sunday. Think about them in terms of yourself. And pray, come Holy Spirit, blow through my heart, give to me the mind of Christ, fill me with the fruits of the Spirit, set me free from my selfishness, Help me to share and to participate in the joy that we have of working together and knowing one another. I love you all so very much. Thank you for being so faithful to the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We may be seated as we give our morning offering. Thank you.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who came as a rushing wind, breathing life and hope into dead bones and cold hearts. We praise you for the comfort and guidance that you've given the church throughout the ages. We pray that your Spirit will empower our church and our lives with your compassion, that we would be filled with generosity and forgiveness, and we pray that we would be strengthened to serve you wholeheartedly. We ask that your Holy Spirit will continue to give us wisdom and help us to better understand your will. We lift up the spread of your gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ throughout this world, especially this morning. We pray for those we support through Laguna Presbyterian Church. Bless them, provide for their needs, and may they see fruit for their labors. And Jesus, we thank you that you do not only take an interest in our daily lives, but that you deeply care and you intercede for us by your Holy Spirit each and every day. We now lift up the prayer you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Every time I feel the Spirit, church, I'm going to sing and I'm going to pray. Now you can move a little bit. I think you all know this song.
<clears throat> now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. 